Good morning. It's good to be here again this week, uh, whether you're joining us here in person or online. And, um, but before I jump into the message, I wanted to kind of, tomorrow, as a nation, we've actually set aside uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and so it's a great time to reflect uh, and to pray. How many know that Martin Luther King Jr. was a pastor? And I believe he really had a relationship with God. Uh, it's clear in his writings, and so it's a time for us to reflect. I really believe that our nation is divided, so even during this time of fasting, I've been praying specifically for our nation. I've been praying for our church, not just our Norwood Park church, but church as a big C church uh, throughout our country. Um, and when we look at scripture, how many know God doesn't, he's not divided? And we are his body, so we need to be united. And so it's a great time to really reflect. And as, if you're off work, I would challenge you to take some time to pray um, and really focus on that. Um, well, we've been going through a series. I'm going to open in prayer, though, and pray for our nation right now. I also want to pray for teachers uh, right now. Our, our, our schools, it's really a hard time because I'm praying for parents I'm praying for the children who are caught in the middle of it, and it's just a crazy time, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but I, I just keep thinking, Lord, I love you. Amen. I love you, Lord. I'm glad I, I, I know you, but my heart breaks for people that don't know him. And so uh, let's pray. Father, we pause right now before we jump into this message, and we realize that without you, we can do nothing. We are nothing without you. God, as a nation, we're nothing without you. God, as a nation, we need you. As a people, we're divided. We confess it. Even within the church, there's different, this political year has been, this season has been crazy, Lord. There's so much division. But Lord, yet you are so clear in your word of what we are to follow is that is you, your kingdom, your purposes. So I pray unite us. Revive your people. God, we pray for revival in your church like we've never seen before in our life, our lifetime, Lord. We've heard of your great deeds. We've read about them in your word, God. We've heard uh, in different writings of people how they journaled and there was a great move of God. But we're asking that today, God, today we cry out, today, we need to hear from you, God. Today, we need to see your works today as you did back in the past, Lord. You divided the Red Sea, God. You brought your people out of slavery. God, you set the captives free, Lord. We read about it in your word, God, but we don't want to just read about it. We want to experience it, Father. And so, God, we ask, God, that you would give great, bring peace to this city, bring peace to this nation. God, bring reconciliation where there needs to be reconciliation, God. And God, only you can do that. You're the only one that can change hearts. And so we come to you and we, we declare that you are king, that you are Lord. And God, we want to the best of our ability, God, followed by your spirit and in direction by your spirit, we, in keeping in step with your spirit, God, we want to do the right thing. We want our belief system to be a biblically based, strong foundation on your revealed truth, your revealed word. 
And so, God, we come to you right now. I pray for our nation. I pray as we, tomorrow we reflect as a nation. I pray that you would bring us together like never before. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been in a series called Uncommon Prayer. This is part two. Last week we talked about praying up, that if our prayers are going to be, if we learn how to pray, we have to, the focus is really about God. And the more you get to know God, the more he's revealed to us, the more we understand God, the the greater our prayers will be focused on him. Uh, Today we're talking about in. So it's praying up in this series, praying in and praying out. Now let me clarify something about praying in. This is not you praying to yourself. That's not what we're saying. You know, the New Age movement says that we are gods. That's, that's a bunch of baloney. That's a bunch of lies. You are not a god. We're created in God's image, but we are not deities. And so what we're talking about when we're talking about praying in is that we're honest with God, that there's an honesty like never before in our life as we pray, as we seek him, as we go after him, that there'd be such a deep honesty in our lives. And we're going to look at Psalms 116. The title of this message is Growing in God Through Answered Prayer. How many know God answers prayer? I've, I've experienced answered prayer when God, I've, I've cried out to God, I've experienced God, and sometimes some, in, in unique ways, sometimes it's really quick that I hear a response or I see God moving. Uh, but other times, God, I, I've heard this said before, that God uh, always answers our prayer. Always. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says Wait. So he always answers our prayer. If God answered every prayer that you prayed, every selfish prayer that you prayed, sometimes God, I believe, has spared us from answering our prayer by saying no to us. But as we talk about this discipline of prayer, I believe it's a discipline. But I believe it's not just I grind up, I tighten my fist knuckle my way through prayer. Oh, there is part of that as prayer. Because how many know that the, our tendency is not to pray? I don't care how long you've known the Lord. You've grown and you're still growing in prayer. And we are still growing in prayer and understanding what this means. It's kind of interesting way at the very beginning. There was this immediate, there was a relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. But after the fall, when sin entered the world, there was a separation of relationship between man and God. And then we see something very interesting in Genesis 4, 26. And it says this. It says, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, that's a powerful verse. Because at that time, when all the chaos started happening and brokenness started happening and you had the first murder, Cain and Abel, and you had all the evil that started coming out because when we're separated from God, evil will reign. As a nation, when we walk away from God, take God out of our schools in prayer, when we, when we kind of put God to the side and we, we block him out, when we don't want God to dictate or to, to, we don't want to submit our life to God and we push him aside, we will see evil rise. I keep thinking about that psalm that says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. 
Today we want to look at Psalms 116. Now Psalms 116 is a very interesting psalm because it's part of a, they call them the Hallel Psalms. And these are the, the Hallel Psalms start with Psalms 113 and go through, all, uh, through Psalms 118. Psalms 113 and 14 are usually the songs or the hymns. These are the songs that are, that are even in the Jewish culture today, even when Jesus went and was in the Passover, they actually would sing Psalms 113 and, and, and 14, and they would actually be for the Passover meal, and then they would sing Psalms 115 through 18 after the Passover. So these are called Hallel. Hallel means hallelujah. Uh, they, they, they mean, it means praise. Uh, it, they, they are the Psalms of praise, and, and so that's why they're called Hallel songs. Uh, that's a freebie, by the way. Um, the big idea today is as we learn to cry out to God, simply pray, and take time to reflect on God's answers, we will grow in our relationship with God. I want you to turn in your Psalms to 116, and we're going to go to the psalm that they would sing after the Passover. Now, it's interesting because why the Passover? Because it pictures an Israelite back then was picturing the time that they were delivered from slavery. They were praising God. Uh, and, and so in this psalm, we see an intimate look into uh, the prayer of this, this, this writer. It's not really sure who wrote this. We're not really clear on who wrote this psalm. But this psalm gives us some insight and some principles that we can learn that we can apply them to our life as we discipline ourselves to pray. Now, let me say this about prayer. Um, this, this about prayer. Uh, ben Patterson, I like what Ben Patterson says. He's, a, he's an author. Um, and he says this about prayer. I'm not into prayer. I seem to have missed the religious gene or whatever it is that makes people enjoy the act of praying. It's not my nature to pray. I'm not into prayer. Now, if I stop there with that quote, you go, whoa, <laughs> this dude's off his rocker. But listen to what he says. I am into God. I thirst and hunger for God. I ache for God. Without his everlasting arms holding me up, I will fall. So I must pray. I thought that was super powerful and insightful. God never calls us to be into prayer. He calls us to pray, but he never calls us to be into prayer. I, I find very people, there are people that are intercessors that pour their life and they, they, they have this gift of intercession, but God has called every single follower of Jesus to be in prayer, to practice the discipline of prayer. I don't want to teach you about prayer. I don't want to teach you about how to pray. I want to teach you how to be into God because as you're into God, you're going to be praying. If you're into God, you're going to develop a practice of praying because you're going to learn how to enjoy a relationship with him. You're going to learn how to walk with him. You're going to learn that every single aspect of our life is ordained by God, that God has a plan and a perfect purpose for your life. And sometimes in our rebellion, we go outside of that plan. But still, ultimately, I want to tell you something about God. He will always win, and he will win in the end. So when it comes to prayer, I don't want you to be into prayer. I want you to be into God. 
And when you find out the beauty, the goodness of God, and when you experience the wonder of who he is, then you'll be more into prayer than you've ever been before. Because prayer is simply communicating with God. Communication is not just talking to God. It's also listening to God. Learning the discipline of listening to what he has to say. Now, here's the psalmist, and he cries out. So I want to talk to you about four truths that will help us. Well, it's more than four. I meant to say four, but there's a little bit more. Four truths that will help us grow in praying on common prayers as we practice the discipline of prayer. The first one is this. Know that God truly answers the prayers of his children who call out to him. In verse 1 and 2 of this psalm, it says, I love the Lord. Now, what a way to start off the psalm. I love the Lord. Now, love, as we know, love, love is not a feeling. Feelings come with love, but love is what? I've always talked it, and I always talk about love as being a commitment. He's saying, I'm committed. What he's basically saying is, I love God. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. What he's saying is, I am committed to God. No matter what I go through in my life, no matter what I'm facing in my life, I am committed to God. Why? He gives us the reason why. For he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because as he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. Now, I want you to notice something when he addresses him as Lord. What he's basically saying is Lord equals Jehovah. He's using the word Jehovah there. Uh, when I think about Lord, I think of, 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 of a king, sovereign who reigns over everything and over the, the affairs of man. I think of King Jesus who reigns fully. Uh, but Jehovah means this, Je the existing one, the proper name of the one true God, the self-existent or eternal one. Now think about that, what he's saying is, Yahweh, Jehovah, way up there, who reigns over all, the self-existing one who doesn't need anything, doesn't need any input from us, doesn't need us, but yet he, when this psalmist says, I cried out to the Lord, this is why I love him. Because when I cried out to God, he stooped down, he, he heard me, this self-existent one comes down and he puts his ear to me. I mean, think about this, what he's saying here. He heard my cry. Did you get that? Sometimes we think that God doesn't hear our prayer. Oh, this self-existent one stoops down to hear your prayer. This is the one. And the reasons why he felt this amazing love for God, he says, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because at one point he's saying, listen, I cried out for mercy to God. Mercy means something that God gives me that I don't deserve. He, 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 I, need, I deserve punishment. I deserve for God not to hear me. I deserve for, for me to be destroyed. I deserve to be separated from God. But God heard me. He was, heard my cry for mercy uh, because he turned his ear to me. And this self-existing one is the idea that God hears a cry. Uh, see, sometimes we have a, a, a non-biblical and wrong idea of who God truly is. And if you have a false view of who God is, it will affect your relationship and your ability to draw near to him. And, and how does that work? 
Sometimes we think he's too busy to really pay attention. He's, he's too busy in the world. And, and, and really for him to pay attention to me? How could God, this, this self-existent one, really pay attention to me? I mean, he, ah, he would never do that. Who am I? Sometimes our, we have this false view of God that God doesn't really care for me. That God doesn't really truly care for my life. Listen, that's a lie. This is another misconception, non-biblical. Who am I that God would want to hear my prayer or petition? Listen, if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you and I become sons and daughters of the king. We become sons and daughters of God. It's only through being born again by the spirit of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God the Bible says in John chapter 3, unless you are born again of the Spirit of God. Uh, let me give you an illustration. Think about the biggest, baddest guy that you ever think, the strongest guy you've ever think about. This guy's strong. Whoa, whoa. I thought about while I was preparing the message, it might be lame for some of you, but Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I thought about Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and, and being so robust. And now he's a little old guy, but. Uh, but think about in his day, think about that beef, uh, that strength, uh, that, that magic, man, think about it. And now imagine this Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's sitting there buff, and, 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 and somebody's messing with his daughter that is in his arms. Think about what he would do. Hello? You think he's going to sit around and just say, oh, I, I don't hear that cry. He's going to jump on it. He's going to beat somebody up. He's going to deal with that person. He's going to deal with their trouble. He's going to make things right. And he's going to protect his child. Because see, what you have to understand, that this is in the context of a relationship. Our relationship to him is what makes the difference. What makes a difference when our prayer life, with our crying out to this, this self-existent one, is the fact that you and I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and we become sons and daughters of the King. You think God's not going to move? You think God, this self-existent one, is not going to hear down and stoop down to hear our prayer? Do you think he's not going to move on our behalf? Let me tell you something. He will move on our behalf. James 5.13 encourages us to pray. If there's anyone in, among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. See, this author is reflecting on a moment in time that, that he was in deep trouble and he cried out for mercy. God heard him. Have you learned to cry out to God with the assurance that he hears you? Have you experienced answered prayer in your life? Has there ever been a time that you were in trouble and you cried out to God and he answered your prayers? How did that make you feel? How did that affect your relationship to God? See, what it does is it creates this bond of relationship with God in our relationship with him. Secondly, another thing we need can learn from this is that we need to learn to use the circumstance that you are going through as a trigger to call to God. The author of this psalm, in verse 3, he, tell, he talks about what happened. He says, the cords of death entangle me. 
The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Uh, really, this guy was going through a circumstance that was tough. In fact, it, it's believed that he, it was death-threatening. He could have had pre-COVID kind of things, you know, symptoms. I mean, where you're sitting there and you're thinking, I mean, even if you get a little sneeze now, you, we're, we're, we're worried, we're anxious about the fact, man, do I have COVID? I mean, sometimes we joke about it when somebody sneezes, oh, COVID. But the reality is this, peop, this person found themselves basically possibly on their deathbed and he cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. Listen to what he says. The cords of death entangled me. It was almost like the, the cords of death had grabbed a hold of him and was sucking him into the abyss. The anguish of the grave came over me. He, had, he was obviously worried about death. He was worried and troubled about death. And so he says, even I, I was overcome by distress and sorrow. He had no peace in his life. He had no joy in his life. It had been stripped. He was worried. And God says what? Then, I, then the Bible says that, and he called on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me. Listen, was that a complex prayer? It wasn't complex. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. It wasn't this deep prayer. It wasn't a prayer that was so long and so uh, re repetitious. It wasn't the prayer itself. It's a cry of the heart. Lord, save me. I need you. Matthew 6, 5 through 6, Jesus kind of was teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Isn't that awesome? He's, notice that Jesus puts the context of this, this self-existing God, the Lord, Yahweh. He's saying, listen, this self-existing Father, Father, there's a relationship. Therefore, it, notice, like, like I said before, our relationship to him is what makes the difference. Listen, when I hear a baby cry in the crowd, I don't get involved because it's not my baby. I turn, sometimes on a plane you get a little frustrated, a little annoyed, but what happens if my baby cries? I don't have any babies, by the way, anymore. When the baby, the grandbabies start crying, no, there's no grandbabies, this ain't no notice. But the reality is when babies cry and it was my baby, boom, I'm there, man. I'm there, I turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> But see, uncommon prayers are birthed within us when we are faced with difficult and sometimes life-threatening experiences. We find ourselves crying out to God. Uh, the application, what circumstances are you going through at this time that God has designed to be a trigger to draw you into that intimate conversation with God? Is there a circumstance in your life that you miss the opportunity of developing the habit of crying out to God and deepening your relationship with him? God wants to use your circumstances to draw you in like the psalmist to what? Cry out to him, to begin to cry out to him. Another 
truth that we will help us grow in praying common prayers as we practice the discipline of prayer is we need to take time to consistently call out to God and you will begin to discover God's amazing character of mercy and compassion towards you as you experience answered prayer. Verse 5 11 through 11 says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. See, the psalmist, through his interaction with God via prayer, has come to know God for who he is. He has come to experience God in the following way, as a gracious God, that he's full of grace, compassion. He's a compassionate God. He is righteous. That means that everything that he does is right, that he's morally pure in all aspects of his being. He's a protector. He's a protector. He's a deliverer from death. One who keeps me, my feet, from stumbling. He says, he, I mean, you know, he protects us. He watches our path. He, 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 he protects us when we're in that context of relationship of sons and daughters. And notice how he starts talking to himself a little bit. How many know we have to do some self-talk a little bit? Verse 7, he says, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. The Lord has been good to you. Here this psalmist has experienced the goodness of God in the land of the living. No matter what happened in his life, he's now beginning to experience the joy and the answered prayer and the care of a heavenly father who loves him, even though he's self-existent one, he loves us deeply. Have you ever learned to pray and practice the discipline of prayer so that you have begun to see God's character Revealed to answer prayer. Another question I would ask right now is, have you come into a relationship with him by being born again of his spirit, by repenting of your sin? You're going in your own direction. Our natural tendency is selfishness and pride, arrogance. And then we have to come to a place where we receive Jesus, his forgiveness on the cross, that he paid our debt and we turn to him and we begin to follow him. We surrender our life to him and say, Jesus, I bow my knee to you. How many know that the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. One day, every knee will bow. The fourth thing that we find here in the psalmist, it says in verse 12, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. The fourth thing is as we experience answered prayer, our hearts will swell up with thanksgiving and praise, which results in a strong desire to live out, out for him. Notice what the psalmist is saying. Man, I, he answered my prayer. And, and what shall I, when God answers prayer and we see and experience the love of God in our life and how much care he has for us, what happens is we begin to say, man, uh, what can I return to the Lord? What can I bring back to him? How can I repay God for his goodness? Oh, if you look back at your life and you see God's goodness, you know, how can I repay you, God, for your goodness in my life? 
And notice what he says, verse 13, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I, I really believe that cup of salvation is like, what do we do with a cup? We offer someone a drink. We also drink from that cup. But notice he says the cup of salvation. What is he saying here? I really believe he's saying this, that this cup of salvation, he lifts it up to the Lord and says, Lord, it's because of your salvation. It's because of your forgiveness. It's because of your compassion, your grace, and your mercy. I lift this up to you. I have nothing else to offer you. Because when it comes to forgiveness of our sins, there's nothing that we can offer God. We can't bring him anything. We can't offer him anything that's value to him because he doesn't need anything. He's a self-existing one. He's Lord, Jehovah. He doesn't need anything. And what we have to offer him back to him is a reflection of what he's done in our life. Any good that comes out of our life as sons and daughters of the king, it's only because of him. How dare we lay a finger on any part and declare, this is me. You know what that's called? Pride. You know what the Bible says about pride? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When I hear about or experience answered prayer in my life, it makes me want to pray more, and it leads me to practice the discipline of prayer. When I see God's goodness for me, I can tell you something, I don't deserve one single thing in my life. God's been so good to me. Has it been hard at times? Absolutely. But nothing, I bring nothing to the table except a heart that is broken. A heart that says, God, I lift up the cup of salvation and I say, God, thank you. All I can say is thank you, God. I can do anything for what I've received. But what it does do in my heart, it says, God, I need you, God. For the rest of my days, I want to serve you, God. Every day, let me get up in the morning and say, God, this day is yours. I want to be used by you, God. I want to bring somebody to your kingdom. I want to bring them to the feet of Jesus. I want them to help them understand who you are. God, help me to be a person that lives for you 100%, not half-hearted, not little bit, not one foot in the world, one foot with you, God. No, all in, God. I want to be all in for you because you've been so good to me. When I don't even deserve it, I didn't even pursue it. Listen, it was God who came and knocked on the door of your heart. He's the one that pursued you even in your sin, in your rebellion. He pursued you. You think you were the one that were seeking God? No. He came knocking on your door. He opened up the eyes of your heart so that you and I could understand that there is no other way. Let me tell you something. There are countless people out in the world right now that don't believe in God, first of all. They don't believe in Jesus. You know why it is? The Apostle Paul in Corinthians talks about it. He says, the eyes of the unbeliever are blinded blinded. They can't see because they're blinded. So if you do see today, let me tell you something. God has lifted the veil of blindness in your eyes. The scales have fallen off of your eyes so you and I could see the eternal truth that this self-existing God 
of the universe, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who reigns forever, the one who has already won the war. And no matter the world gets worse, he will win in the end. He has already won. And one day we're going to have to stand before this eternal God and give an account of our life. How are you living your life? For many of us, 2020 was the type of year that God brought us closer to himself through these difficult and life-changing circumstances. As we seek God during the 21 days of fasting and prayer and continue to press in, I challenge you to press in and cry out to him like you never before. Cry out to him and expect him to answer. Like the psalmist cried out to him, and he was so overwhelmed with the fact that he answered. Do you have something that you are holding on to that's a burden in your heart? Is there a breakthrough that needs to happen in your life? Cry out to him. This self-existing one who hears your cry for mercy. Cry out with a heart that cries out to his mercy. Say, God, you are merciful. I need you. I can't live without you. The final truth that will help us grow in praying uncommon prayers as we practice the discipline of prayer is uncommon heartfelt prayers will ultimately culminate in praise as we see that God is faithful to his covenant. In verse 16, it says, Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Notice he ends the psalm with praise the Lord. I love this. It says, truly, I am your servant, Lord. Self-existent one, I am your servant, when it comes down to it, he had this heartfelt prayers that said, ultimately, God, I praise you for who you are, for what you've done. And if you understand forgiveness through the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us, you understand that there's a covenant that God makes. Some of us, in our relationship with God, we started off the race well. We're like, oh, yeah, God, this is so new. Oh, yeah. And then the world, we start living and growing up and we go into the world, we get different responsibilities and then all of a sudden God is put on a shelf. Let me tell you something, don't put God on a shelf. Don't put God, the self-existent one, on a shelf who's been merciful, who's been compassionate, who has made a way for you and I to come into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Don't put him on the shelf. Listen, he, is, he, he can never be put on a shelf. Maybe in your life you put him on a shelf, but listen, one day he's going to win. And look at what he happens. He says, I will thank God. I serve you just as my mother did. If you're a single mom here today, you think you're struggling or a single dad and you're struggling, but your faith is real and you're going forward. Listen, don't minimize what the impact your faith can have on the next generation. Notice what he says, you have freed me from my chains. So at one point, he was chained up. How many of you know we all have issues in our life? All of us have issues. 
And I can see God in the past has broken many chains in my life. And maybe there's still more chains that he's breaking. But he says he's broken, freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call in the name of the Lord. Listen, sometimes what we need to do is thank him. Have you thanked him? Have you taken time to thank God for what he's done in your life? Have you taken time during this fast to thank him for how he, good he's been to you and his goodness for you? It's not too late to start. And he ultimately ends in praise. See, praise is foreign to the heart that doesn't understand the goodness of God. As we close our time together, I want to invite you to continue in this time of prayer and fasting. I want to challenge us to grow and continue to grow in our relationship with God through prayer. As you begin to pray, expect God to answer. When you cry out to him in sincerity uh, before him, God hears your prayer, first of all. And maybe there's some wrong views that you have of God. I pray, and my prayer is that God uh, will help you understand. And maybe take some time this week and meditate on this psalm. Read through it, meditate on it, and say, God, I want to understand you. Maybe you're not in a death-threatening time. Maybe you will be in a death-threatening time. But you know what? The answer is cry out to him. I want you to notice something, too, about it. This psalm is interesting because... In verse 15, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. This is many times used in funerals. I, as a pastor, have used it in funerals. What is the psalmist saying? That even if God takes my life, it's a precious moment because we're reunited with the one, the self-existent one who needs nothing or nobody. And we are going to be reunited with him in that relationship. But you can only be reunited with him in that relationship if you've put your faith completely in Jesus Christ. Not in any religion, not in the church, not in yourself, not in just the fact that you go to church on Easter or this time. No, it's only found in the self-existent one who came to this earth, fully God and fully man. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You can be forgiven today if you just cry out to him. In fact, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up and as they come up, get ready to close us in a worship song. I wanna give an opportunity I'm going to ask us to stand at this time. And if you're at home, I mean, just you can stand as well if you want to or just stay seated. Or But I want to ask you a question today. What has God spoken to you about right now in this message? What's the one thing that God is saying to you right now? And once you find out that and then you ask, as the Lord has been working in your heart, I want you to respond to that. And for some of you, it might be that you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. You've never accepted forgiveness. 
Right now, if you died today, you, you do not know, you have no clue what would happen to you after you die. But I want to invite you today that you could come to Christ. You could surrender your life. You could confess him as Lord and believe in your heart. Confess him as Yahweh, the self-existing one who made a way for you to come to him. That you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. You could put your trust in him today. And I want to just pray really, really quick right now. And I'm going to ask the Lord to do whatever he wants to do in this moment. As we sing this song, may God minister to you. May God grab a hold of your heart. May God, that you would respond to that one thing that God is saying to you today. And I want to challenge you that when, 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 when you do that, it might be something that you would want to share with somebody. Maybe your small group leader or you could share it with, with, with uh, uh, your husband or your wife or you could share it with somebody. This is what God was speaking to me about today. And then do something about it. What's the action God is asking you to do? Maybe it's simply just start praying. Be into God, not into prayer. So Father, we ask that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, you're the one that sees every heart. You know every one of us. You know our fears. You know our wants. You know our desires. You know everything about us. And right now, we come to you, Abba Father. Being the self-existent one, Yahweh, we come to you and we praise you. And we join in with the course of heaven, declaring your goodness. Lord, thank you that you hear our prayer. But we cry out to you. That you're not aloof, but that you answer. You come to our rescue. We love you. We praise you, Lord. I pray you'd meet us, every one of us, wherever we're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.